My name's Kirk, you can young, young adults minister here. Hi, good to see you. Uh, we are in the middle of a series called Not Impolite Company, and we're, we're covering some controversial topics like politics, like sex, like relationships, this sort of thing. We've been doing that for a few weeks, we're continuing that for a few weeks more. Uh, and so tonight we're going to look at some inevitable questions that pop up uh, around the issues of sex and relationships. Now the last two topics in this series, I sort of consider this is the third part of a trilogy with those two. And not like a lame trilogy like The Matrix, you know, like where the first movie was really good and they're like, we could make some more money off this. Let's release two massive disappointments after that and call it a trilogy. I'm thinking more like Lord of the Rings, where it's one whole story, but there's different parts. So that's what I'm aiming for. Certainly not claiming to be the level of Tolkien, let's make that clear. Uh, but, you know, hoping that they all fit together. If you have missed these talks, and so at the end of tonight's talk, you go, gee, I feel like I ha- there are some pieces missing. They are available on podcast. You can check it out on our website, sojohnsdc.org.au. Just click on the sermons link and all the recent talks are up there for you to listen to. So do check that out. Tonight is definitely M-rated, so parents, please be aware of that, although most of the kids, I think, have exited the room in one way or another. Uh, And the Q&A, as well as the paper, will just hand microphones. There'll be a roaming microphone around at the end as well, so if you don't get to write your question down and get it in, uh, then don't worry, as long as you're happy to sort of out yourself as asking the question, uh, then we can give you the microphone later on. We'll do our best with that. A couple of other people will join me. So, we're thinking about God... We're thinking about God's word as we find it in the Bible and we're thinking about the topic of sex. And so tonight I just want to say, well, what are some of the big questions that pop up particularly for youth and young adults around this this mixture of topics? And the first question I think that pops up pretty quickly is, what are God's boundaries around sex? Let me give you some background to this. Uh, In the start of the Bible, just in the second ch- chapter, Genesis chapter 2, we have a man and a woman who are both naked having sex outdoors. This is how the Bible begins. I'm not sure if you're aware of that, but that's what happens. And uh, they're not ashamed to do this. This is not like an example like, oh, second chapter of the Bible, humanity already gone off the rails. No, this is a good thing. Like God gives a thumbs up, like this is, this is, this is good. And so uh, this chapter in the Bible shows us that sex is good, that God made it to be good, and that it can powerfully unite a man and a woman in their relationship. As it says in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. But in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, still very, very, very early on in the Bible, things change. Straight after the whole naked sex outdoors bit, uh, we get an insight into why... Today, sex isn't always good and doesn't always unite people. So in the story, God gives Adam and Eve, who are the man and the woman, uh, one rule. He just says, see this tree? It's a fruit tree. Don't eat the fruit from this tree. There's plenty of other fruit trees around. You can eat all all those, but this is it. Are we having problems with my microphone? I'm getting a bit of sound up here, but we're all good out there. Okay, I'll just ignore it up here. Um, So he says, don't eat from this tree. And you go, okay, there's just one rule. I mean, that should be pretty simple to remember. You know, one rule to rule them all. This is okay. Like, we could, we could, do, we could do this. Surely, surely this is going to be a fairly easy thing to get right. But even if you don't know the story, it's probably not that hard to guess what happened. They broke the rule and they ate the fruit. And that action 
of going against God symbolizes human sin. It demonstrates our tendency to not trust God, to not put our trust in what he's, command, uh, he's commanded us to do and to instead just do what we want to do. And that sin, you know, going against God is sin, has negatively infected a lot of what is meant to be good in life, including sex. So let me read to you a chapter from Genesis 3, verse 6, uh, verse 7 and onwards. Uh, then the eyes of both of them, as in the man and the woman who have just eaten the fruit, uh, were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, uh, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put me with here, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Now, a few things stand out for me here. Uh, first is that suddenly nakedness has become an issue, right? Previously, it was good. It was a non-issue, no problems. Now, it's not so good. Uh, it, it reminded me of like you're having a shower and it's totally fine to be naked in the shower and then someone walks in to the bathroom and it's not so good. Yeah, like it's a bit of a change. Like nudity is different uh, now. Uh, good one, Nan. Get out. And so I'm just trying to pick the word as the weirdest person to walk in. <laughs> Went with the Nan. Uh, so uh, these guys, you know, they cover themselves up. They cover up their sex bits and, and that says they do it out of fear. Right? And also their relationship with God is damaged because they try and hide from God, which you think, when you think about it, is not actually possible. Right? God, the creator of everything, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, you can't hide. Like, this actually reminds me of my daughter, being young daughter, not being particularly successful at hide-and-seek. <laughs> you know? It's an attempt to hide, but it's not going to work out. And so, um, this, is a, this is the thing. That they're hiding from God. That relationship is broken down. And then instead of being united as a couple... Uh, they're divided as the man blames the woman for their situation, which, I would add, seems to be something that men have done for the rest of history. But I'll just leave that there. So Genesis chapter 3 is a very different picture to Genesis chapter 2. Sin has entered the world. It's messed things up. Uh, and so today, good things like sex, like nudity, can be corrupted by sin. Uh, they can still be used for good, but they can also be used for great evil. And I was thinking about this and going, well, for me, like, personally, the worst thing that I reckon could happen to me, uh, and you might agree with me, apart from being murdered, is to be raped. Like, you know, if you think of, like, what could be a terrible thing to happen to you, that would be it. And that involves sex in an evil way, right? It's not the way it's meant to be used. So God's given us some rules. He's given us some boundaries to help ensure that we use something like sex, which is, can do powerful good and create new life, but can also do horrible things like rape and have powerful evil. He's given us some boundaries as to how to use this thing so that we are able to use it for good. Now remember, these rules are not here to stop people having fun. This is a rumour that gets spread about God, which is incorrect. 
The rules are there to help us have the best possible relationship with God and with other people. That's why all God's rules are there in one way or another. And I'd say, if we want to summarize it, there's probably two rules about, or two boundaries that God gives us around sex. The first is to only have sex with someone you're married to. And the second is to avoid behavior that might lead us to break the first rule. So I'm going to go into those in a bit of detail tonight. So thinking about the first rule, that we only have sex with someone we're married to. We've referred to the book of Song of Songs a few times in this series. Uh, it's a section in the Old Testament, a book in the Old Testament. It's a poem and it's, it's romantic, uh, it's sexual in nature, it's quite explicit. Uh, and it's written from the point of view of a, a few different people, uh, the man, the woman and their friends. And then in ver- chapter 2, verse 7, uh, we read something from the point of view of the woman talking to her friends. I'll put the verse on the screen for us. And I've used the New Living Translation, so if you're looking it up in the, the blue Bibles, it might be slightly different, but um, here we go. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, so sort of saying like, even the animals need to listen to this, <laughs> uh, not to awaken love until the time is right. So do not awaken love until the time is right. And in this book, the Song of Songs, that line is repeated several times. Chapter 2, verse 7 chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 8, verse 4, to the point where some Bible experts have suggested it could be like a section breaker in the poem. You know, we hear a bunch of stuff about romance and, oh, these two are really into each other, and then we get this section breaker, but promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. More stuff, getting a bit sexier, getting talking about each other's bodies, you know, all this sort of stuff in the poem, and then promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. Then actual sex, like, you know, quite explicit, they're really going for it. And again, almost like a reminder to the people reading it, but promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. Song of Songs presents a very positive view of love and of sex, but it's presented as being at the right time and in the right place and that is within a committed marriage relationship. And there's also this warning against it being in the wrong time and the wrong place, which is when that commitment does not exist. Now, I've been told several times by both people who are Christians and people who aren't uh, that the Bible doesn't have the first rule, uh, that the idea that uh, the Bible says you need to keep sex for marriage uh, is not in there, it's not in the Bible. So my response to that would be, what a load of crap. What Bible are you reading? Uh, Let me give you a quick summary of the case, right? Not once is sex outside of marriage mentioned in in a positive light. doesn't happen once. And adultery, which is where someone who's married has sex with someone they're not married to, is is like a huge no-no. You know, it's it's used very negatively. It's sort of it's almost used as a put down. Like sometimes when the Bible writers are talking about an evil group of people, they talk about them as being adulterous. You know, like people who who commit adultery. Um, so very sort of negative view of this sort of thing. And then fornication is listed as a sin many many times. Now fornication. Uh, is a bit of an old or a big word. Uh, it means voluntary sexual intercourse between persons not married to each other. Now, because it's a bit of a, I guess, a bit of an, an older days sort of word, often the Bible translations don't use it anymore and they'll instead say sexual immorality. They're effectively saying the same thing. So when you read in your Bible, uh, particularly the version that we have here in St. John's, when you read sexual immorality, 
It's talking about fornication. It's talking about voluntary sexual intercourse between two persons not married to each other. Okay? Um, let me give you a couple of examples of that um, from uh, sex, uh, section, uh, translations that use the word fornication. But just before that, you might be going, oh, what's like a modern sort of, how can I understand this? The, the best thing I could think of that sort of reference fornication is that TV show Californication, which is like a combination of California and fornication, like fornication in California. In my limited exposure to that show, it seems like a really good description of what goes on uh, in those episodes. Um, also, important to note that... It, the, just go back a slide, can we, Nick, for a sec? Sorry, I jumped ahead on you. Um, notice the word voluntary. So somebody, if somebody is raped, the victim is not like doing fornication, like this is something that the attacker is doing. So that's really important to know, uh, that if you've been in a situation where you've been sexually abused or something's happened against your will or you know people who have, that they are not the person committing the sin there. That's really important as we just look at these verses. So Matthew chapter 15, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness and slander. So fornication is listed in a pretty evil list of things there uh, and we're certainly meant to go, oh yeah, all right, that's something we don't want to have in our lives. Um, and you can see there that, that longer quote there from Matthew chapter 7, uh, again listing fornications in a list of evil things, as well as sensuality. Well, sensuality is sort of like you know, stimulating your senses uh, at sort of excessive levels and, and can often be very sexual. And again, that's included in a list of things that should be avoided and which uh, defile the man, or which means sort of make you dirty or spiritually dirty. Then there's some key teaching that shows how important it is that you have sex with, with, with the one person instead of with lots of people. So Matthew chapter 19, verse 5, and this is the words of Jesus. He says, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That's quoting Genesis chapter 2, if you were paying attention earlier. And so they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So again, picking up on, we want to focus on that good thing of sex uniting two people um, and that uh, this is something that's not to be then separated afterwards. 1 Corinthians 6 picks up on the same thing. If you're a life group leader and you're wondering what passage to look at this week, I would recommend 1 Corinthians 6, the second half of that, I think from verse 12 to the end of the chapter would be a really good thing to look at together in your life groups. But as it says in verse 18, I'll just read verse 18, flee from sexual immorality, remember, or flee from uh, fornication. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins, sins against his own body. Now that's just a few examples. I'll pick up a few more as we go through. But if you're trying to make a case that the Bible teaches something other than sex being reserved for a marriage relationship, it's going to be really difficult for you to do it. <laughs> and in my opinion, the, the people that I mentioned before who suggested to me that the Bible doesn't teach this, I think they were trying to justify their own behaviour more than they were trying to find out what God was actually saying in the Bible. And that might seem a bit harsh judgement by me, but when I was looking for a way around the first rule, which I was at one point, that's what I was doing. I wasn't trying to find what God actually wanted to say. I was trying to find a way around what God was saying. And I think that's really important for any issue when we come to the Bible. It's primarily 
We're trying to find out what does God have to say to me about this, not not how can I make God say what I want him to by twisting the Bible in one way or another. Second rule is to avoid behaviour that might lead us to break the first rule. Now, I'm going to introduce a few big words. Um, This one's probably in the translation that you use, uh, or the ones in the the seats there, but the word is debauchery. Uh, And debauchery is excessive indulgence in uh, in sensual pleasures, including sexual pleasures. Uh, If there was a pop culture character I would pick who's like quite debaucherous in the way they go about their sex life, I think Deadpool would probably be a good sort of example. I haven't seen the movie, but from what I know about Deadpool, he's a very de- fairly debauched sort of guy. Um, if you're a bit older, you're looking for an older reference, James Bond, as played by Pierce Brosnan, he's right into debauchery, right? If you want to go with that era of, era of James Bond. He's still a bit debauched in the new version, but like a lot less than Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan's just really into debauchery. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, Debauchery is not very popular in the Bible. And by that, I don't mean it's not mentioned very often. It's mentioned a lot, but it's always mentioned in negative sort of ways. A bunch of examples here on the screen for us. I'm not going to read all of them out, but let me read a couple. Romans 13, 13. Let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Well, Galatians 5.19, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery. Okay, so what are some modern day examples of debauchery? Um, a friend of mine, uh, from when I was at um, RMIT, uh, a friend of mine comes up to me at lunchtime and goes, I've had two really interesting related conversations today with a couple of friends. So she went to her first class and a friend comes up to her and goes, Guess who I kissed on the weekend? And uh, I, I mean, I, I won't use the guy's real name. Let's call him Flirty McFlirt. <laughs> and he was a star of a very popular young adult show in the early 2000s. For those of you from my era, you might know who that is, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, and so this famous person had been at the party that this girl had gone to. They'd had a kiss, and, like, and my friend said, Oh, so you're going to go out with them? Or it's like, No, 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 that was it. Um, anyway, next class, another friend, totally unrelated, not connected in friendship circles, comes up to her, guess who I kissed on the weekend? Flirty McFlirt from that young adult show that we all love watching on TV. Same guy who kissed two people in the same night, perhaps more. Uh, he's doing a bit of, a, a, a bit of debauchery uh, by doing that. You know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he patched a few more people that night. Uh, and perhaps went to a couple of other parties, right? That's debauchery, right? Just sort of, you know, just let, let it all, just, well, whoever, just old passion anyone. Or there's the passion dash that people do at nightclubs where they sort of dance someone, they have a big sort of tongue-kissing session and then they just sort of like never, don't, don't even 